This is episode 52 of the History of Podcast. I'm Robert, and today's episode is an interesting story about how Dole created Hawaii. Yes, the state, and indirectly the pizza. We'll get into that. I'm really glad you're tuning in, and I hope this makes your day. Just this right here. Trust me, it will. To start, I have the egg carton count, and today's egg carton count is 69, just like we didn't skip a beat. Well, I have one word for you, pineapples. They're refreshing, and they're great on pizza. But the reason we have pineapples in almost every grocery store and on pizza is a long story. On July 4th, 1894, the U.S. recognized the Republic of Hawaii as an independent nation. Not a state, not a territory, but a nation. But the story goes back a lot further than this. Obviously, people had been living on the islands for hundreds of years, but Captain James Cook of Great Britain put the islands on the western map when he landed there in 1778. He named them the Sandwich Islands, after the Earl of Sandwich. And yes, that is also how sandwiches got their name, like the literal vehicles of nourishment between two slices of bread. They're named after the same person. I promise, I'm not making this up. Of course, by 1794, the Sandwich Islands were under the British Empire. I'll put a map in the show notes of all the countries Britain hasn't invaded. It's 22, by the way. So we leave it at that for a few years. Some sugar plantations were established there, some Christian ministries. One ministry family in particular, the Dole family, gave birth to a son, Sanford B. Dole. And don't get too ahead of yourself right now. He was one of the first foreigners born in Hawaii, and he went back to the States to go to law school at Williams College in Massachusetts which was the home of the rest of the Dole family. And that's an important detail. Sanford Dole came back to Honolulu, where he began practicing as a lawyer. And in 1884, he ran for and was elected as representative in the Hawaiian legislature under the king. Over the next couple years, Hawaiian politics started to heat up when King David Kalakaua was accused of abusing his veto power. So the Hawaiian League was formed, made up primarily of Americans and Europeans. And they wrote up some reforms they wanted and sent them to the king. He was given 24 hours to respond, and if not, an armed revolt was bound to erupt. So, trying not to die, the king played along. The Hawaiian League then wrote the Bayonet Constitution, leaving most things the way they were, except for leaving the king with significantly less power. It was called the Bayonet Constitution, as you can imagine, because it was forcefully imposed on King Kalakaua. And this is a big milestone in America's conquering of Hawaii, whether you like it or not. And the next step in overtaking the islands was removing Queen Loiwo Kalani from power. The McKinley Tariff in 1890 raised the prices of Hawaiian sugar coming into America, hurting the Hawaiian economy. Several Hawaiian farmers believe this problem could be solved by overthrowing the queen and allowing Hawaii to become a U.S. territory. And, you know, there's also diplomacy to solve these problems, but okay. President Benjamin Harrison ordered sailors from the USS Boston to surround Queen Loiwo Kalani's palace, and down went the power of Hawaii. Hawaii still didn't become a territory until 1898 because of a delay in the political process. Kind of classic government. But to give a little context, the Spanish-American War was going on at this time, which was more of a direct threat to America and maybe a little higher on the list of priorities. Nonetheless, you could say it left fertile ground for what was to come. 
About while all this was going on, Sanford Dole's nephew, James Dole, was accepted to Harvard, despite having failed some classes, and graduated in 1895. Dole studied agriculture at Harvard, and really believed it was his calling. And you can see where this is going. He took a boat to Hawaii in 1900, and he purchased a 64-acre plot of land on Oahu, getting into a lot of debt in the process. Dole initially tried to grow coffee, but as you might guess, that failed. He experimented with growing peas, potatoes, raising pigs, but Dole settled on the pineapple, and so we get the beginning of a lovely, wholesome success story. The biggest obstacle was getting these pineapples overseas. They don't last the trip fresh, and other companies had tried canning them, but it never really worked right. Still, Dole opened his own cannery without knowing anything about canning and founded the Hawaiian Pineapple Company. And I gotta interrupt for a second, because the whole problem was not about growing pineapples, which he was clearly good at and educated in, but with canning pineapples. The main component that made him so successful was something he knew nothing about, and contributing to his success was not one really good skill, but a handful of pretty good skills that complement each other. Just something I thought I might point out from this story. Nobody in Hawaii was really happy with Dole's new business, because it was the president of Hawaii's nephew trying to make money in a way so many people had failed before, and the locals were just tired of it. Dole wasn't very successful at the beginning. He actually had to go back to Boston to raise some money. Still, he got investors, came back to Hawaii, and opened a cannery next to his plantation. By 1903, the Hawaiian Pineapple Company was shipping 2,000 cases of pineapples. Of course, for a business like this to grow, you have to automate the process somehow and get things done on a larger scale for a cheaper price. Dole was able to make this happen in 1911, when one of his employees, Henry Jinaka, invented a machine that could chop, peel, and core 100 pineapples per minute. Time really is money. As you can imagine, the business was doing well, and demand was growing during World War I. But in 1922, Dole pulled a big CEO move. He bought the entire island of Lanai to make a pineapple plantation. And an entire Hawaiian island. I'd Let's just like take that in for a second. And, that's, and it's not a small island either. So we jump to 1932, when a company called Castle & Cook bought a big stake in the Hawaiian Pineapple Company. The Castle & Cook Company had been around selling wholesale products and investing in Hawaiian sugar since 1858. Castle & Cook and the Hawaiian Pineapple Company made pretty good friends, and the two companies merged in 1961. At this point, you're probably wondering when or why the name was changed to Dole. James Dole had written to his uncle Sanford, who was probably closer to him than his father, about wanting to name the company Dole. Uncle Sanford advised against this because his name was so politically charged. It might be like naming it, I don't know, name X politician pineapples. He just wanted to stay away from politics, which is understandable. And on top of this, there are no D sounds in the Hawaiian language, which might have made the name a little weird for the locals. But at this point in the story, it's Castle and Cook, and the Dole name wouldn't be adopted until 1991, after Dole's death. Now, as you know, Dole has broadened itself far beyond pineapples, and I know I have to say this every time I talk about a company, this isn't an ad, it's just true, and it's impressive. I have a little bonus about the whole pineapple pizza situation. It was invented in Canada, 
But more specifically, Hawaiian pizza was invented in 1962 by Sam Pinopoulos, a Greek chef who moved to Canada. But over in Germany, Hawaiian toast, which is really just like Hawaiian pizza on toast, had been a thing since 1955, invented by TV chef Clemens Vilmenrod. Of course, a lot of this is soft history without many landmark dates or people, but as John Green pointed out, it's the most cosmopolitan pizza imaginable. An Italian dish invented by someone from Greece, inspired by Chinese cuisine in Canada, made possible by Hawaii, featuring a South American fruit which is most popular in Australia. Whew, that was a mouthful. But before you listen to the next history of episode, which I already know you are going to do, I'd like to extend a warm gratitude to the entire research team and studio management team. In all seriousness, you all are some of the most wonderful listeners out there. I really mean it, and I'm so glad to be back. So until next time, I'm Robert Lakatosh, and I'm probably going to get some pineapple pizza after this. I really hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, don't listen to the next episode just yet. I'd appreciate if you could take just 10 seconds to rate or write a review for The History Of. It really does make the episodes better. And if you think you have a friend who might enjoy this podcast, tell them about The History Of, their new favorite podcast, and you might just make their day. I'd like to thank you all for your gracious, loyal support. And until the next one, I'm Robert Lakatosh. Thanks for listening.